0: Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a Wisdom Wednesday presented by DraftKings. And we've got the general manager of the Cleveland Browns, Andrew Barry, set to join us in a couple minutes. So fired up. Look, I've said it a couple times on Twitter and here on the show this offseason. I think it's time to start talking about Super Bowl and the Cleveland Browns. I think they have a Super Bowl caliber roster I will ask Andrew if he agrees momentarily please check out the show on social media I'm at Ross Tucker NFL we are at Ross Tucker pod in fact anybody that engages with the show in any way on social media Twitter Instagram Facebook I don't care like retweet quote tweet I see it all and you're eligible to win a signed picture or press pass from this past season. I've got the AFC Championship Game 1 still as well. All you have to do is engage on social media or at Ross Tucker Pod, which is the social media handle for all of the different shows. We've been on fire, by the way. All of our shows are the best 30 minutes of on-demand content you can find, either audio, wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts, or youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL if you want to watch the show or if you just want to see the highlight clips of some of the other shows. Steve Fezzik was amazing going through the schedule yesterday on the Even Money podcast. We had Warren Sharp, who is the single – I mean, he works for like half the teams now. Going through the schedule and equities on Monday's Ross Tucker football podcast. Last week, we had – Michael North from the NFL, who does the scheduling, and Matt Nagy from the Bears, and before that, Mike Parson. Micah Parsons, the first-round pick for the Cowboys. At any rate, just make sure you subscribe. It's 30 minutes, three times a week in the offseason, five times a week during the season. We get you the 30 minutes of football knowledge you need every single day. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. Well, as promised, we are joined now by the general manager of the Cleveland Browns coming off an excellent first campaign there in Cleveland, Andrew Barry. Andrew, thanks so much for coming on the show. Ross, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. So, obviously, there's a lot of positivity going around in Cleveland right now, and rightfully so after you guys got to the divisional round, you won a playoff game. Unfortunately, though, I have to start today's show – or at least the interview with you with two really poor decisions on your part okay andrew <laughs> so 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 first of all why harvard over princeton <laughs> this is so people know okay andrew and his twin brother both got recruited by all the ivy leagues adam and his twin brother adam went to princeton my alma mater andrew went to harvard Why would you ever choose to go to the second best school in the country when you could have gone to the number one ranked school in the world for the last 10 years in U.S. News or World Report?
1: You know what, Ross? I'm already regretting coming on the show. I was going (laughs) to give you a second chance. Like, you know, I think you can always tell about people based on their life decisions. I was like, no, I'll I'll give give them a chance. I mean, it's it's one mistake going to Princeton. and I'm already uh, regretting that decision as we we sit here this morning. But – um, in all honesty, um, yeah, my brother went to Princeton. No, it was a, a great university. For us, we just kind of had, you know, different interests, football, school coming out. And, um, you know, Harvard was right fit for me. It was an incredible blessing in my life. Met my, um, my wife there. Um, and then, you know, playing football there and, and the opportunities that afforded me after graduation were just were, were fantastic. And um, quite honestly, I wouldn't have thought about going to an Ivy League school if it weren't for football. Um, and uh, it's one of the biggest blessings of my life. today.
0: So in all sincerity, though, uh, that had to be an interesting decision for you and your twin to not go to the same school. I guess I'm just curious about that sort of life dynamic, mm-hmm. and did you think you were going to go to the same place? Was it tough to go to different places, or did you always kind of want to branch out and do your own thing? I think that's really interesting.
1: Yeah, we we actually always wanted to go to – To separate schools now, if it worked out that it was the best fit for both of us to be at the same college, we wouldn't have pushed back against it. But for us, you know, growing up as twins, you're always thought of as a as a pair. Um, And for Adam and I, we really wanted just kind of like our own independence. Like we really did make decisions independently growing up. And I think that's also just a credit to my to my mom and my dad because even though we were always thought of a unit, they didn't necessarily raise us as You know, know, they didn't dress us alike or, you know, you know, things along those nature uh, or along those lines. Excuse me. And so for us, you know, going separate ways really wasn't an issue. Uh, Probably the funny thing is a lot of the schools, we did have a fair amount of overlap in terms of the schools that recruited us. And I think, you know, many of the staff thought that was a little bit lip service. They thought they got one, they would get they would get the other. Um, But we really were comfortable just kind of, you know, making our own decisions the best for us. I know we were we were both ultimately happy with our college choices.
0: Yeah, well, obviously you went on to have an awesome career then, and you've been a part of the NFL for a long time since then. The Colts, the Eagles, among the teams you've worked for. The other thing, though, that I just saw a couple weeks ago that is a huge red flag for me. Is it true that you had a baby (laughs) <laughs> the day of the draft—that
1: <laughs> is—that is true, and uh, I think you're right to question decision making on uh, on that one. I tell you what, it was a very memorable draft weekend. Um, you know, certainly poor planning on our part, but uh, we welcomed our first daughter into the world. Her name's Eden Ruth. Um, she's a huge blessing. Uh, her brothers are slowly but surely uh, getting acclimated to having a, a newborn in the house. I would say our oldest. Um, is is doing a really nice job. And our now new middle child um, is a little bit of a work in progress. But uh, we're, we're, we're incredibly blessed and, and thankful that she's uh, she's happy, healthy, and now in our lives.
0: All right. So you've been in the NFL for a long time now. You know when the draft is. You become a GM. I mean, to me, where, where is the planning? Where Where is the thought? Like, that's a red flag. I mean, if you were evaluating a GM candidate, you'd be like, this guy has a baby to play in the first round of the draft. <laughs> Definitely
1: questionable decision-making, Ross. I would say that um, as uh, planned as, as I try to be in, our, in my professional life, uh, probably not quite to the same standard all the time in the, in the personal life, but it ends up being, it ended up being a really nice story and, uh, and working out really nicely. And, um, you know, we're super thankful to, to have Eden with us.
0: Well, congratulations, man. I'm obviously, I think, you know, and, and all the listeners and viewers know, I'm obviously just kidding. It's tremendous. Uh, it's amazing. And I can tell you um, our planning for our second daughter was not uh, not exactly what we had in the game plan um, in terms of having our daughters be 17 months apart. Um, that That was interesting when I'm holding the eight month old and find out we're having another one uh, pretty soon. So um, So,
1: Ross, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to to share this because you brought that up. So I'll tell you this. Our first, our oldest was born literally the Sunday of the 2017 season opener. So we have, we have a history of this type of decision-making our second, they're 18 months apart. So we were, we were similar to you. And then obviously our third was on the, on the first night of the draft. So, um, you know, our uh, our decision making certainly is questionable in that in that regard.
0: <laughs> so, um, congratulations, by the way, man. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I saw the picture. So cool. Uh, and I have obviously some Browns questions, but before I get mm-hmm. to the Browns question, I did want to ask you one thing. I think I read somewhere, maybe shortly after you got the Browns GM job, did you say that you believe Howie Roseman? is the best GM in the NFL. And if you said that, uh, why? Why do you feel that way?
1: Yeah, I I do. And I feel fortunate to have worked for Howie um, for a year in Philadelphia. I just think Howie's skill set, the breadth, like I think anyone who's been in a general manager's position or been close to a general manager's position has probably an appreciation for just the breadth of responsibilities that are on a general manager's plate. I think oftentimes – the role is just viewed as like, hey, you know, just, you know, go pick players in the draft. And really uh, the responsibilities are just a lot broader. I think with Howie, very smart, you know, good with people, highly strategic, and he's a guy who knows, you know, uh, college scouting, pro scouting, contract management, research and strategy, um, day-to-day operations. And I think it's just, it's, it's hard to acquire all those skills and it's hard to find individuals that are, highly competent across all those football operations domains. And I think also just like his track record of decision making, you know, throughout his time in the job um, does speak for itself. Look, no general manager is going to be, especially for over a long course of time, going to be, um, you know, have a banner year every, every season. Um, but I think, you know, you look at how he's track record and his skills. He's a guy that I certainly hold in, in, in very high regard.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Obviously, you know, I'm I'm I I do the Eagles preseason mm-hmm. games and stuff and uh he's a guy that is kind of, you know, getting a lot of criticism mm-hmm. right now. So, I that's one of the reasons why I wanted to ask you because I think it's uh sometimes people need to be reminded yep. that uh that that other people like you hold him in such high regard. Well, I I certainly hold you in high regard uh, based on what you've done so far in Cleveland. And I guess the first question I have there would be, I've said this looking at your roster the last couple months. I've said it Cleveland radio here on, on my show. I really believe that you guys have a Super Bowl caliber roster and that it's time to, to talk about the Cleveland Browns and the Super Bowl in the same sentence and to not be afraid of that. Would you agree?
1: I think, number one, every – all 32 teams, their goal is to is to win the Super Bowl and, and build a team capable of doing that. You know, for us internally, we don't necessarily think of it in that light, Ross. You know, our perspectives we, – we're excited about the guys that we've added to the team and the guys that, we, that we're going to enter uh, the off-season program and summer training camp with. But at the same time, our mindset has largely been, all right, let's control what we can control on a daily basis – Work hard, get up to speed in our offense and defensive systems, um, show improvement, and if we take care of the little things, when we look up in December, January, February, you know we're, we'll be pleased where um, you know where we've ended up. But we really try and keep a much narrower focus, um, you know, because at the end of the day, like I think everybody's very optimistic at this point in the year, and you know each season really is unique. Each season's unique. You, you know, we're, we're certainly excited about the talent that we have on the team. But it takes preparation, hard work, and then a little bit of luck along the way, you know, ultimately to reach the uh, you know the top prize.
0: You know, it's funny because I think some listeners will hear you say that and say, "Okay, that's kind of a cliche." Whatever, mm-hmm. I, I would just say, in all sincerity, like as a guy in the media, mm-hmm. I can look at your roster and say, "Man, I don't see a lot of holes." I think they got a really <laughs> good roster. I think they're a Super Bowl caliber roster. But I can also speak to it when you're actually in it, you yeah. really don't look at it that way. No. I mean, like you, you really do look at like today, you're looking at guys that you could sign, you know, as tryout guys. You're looking yeah. at other areas in the roster. You could, it just it doesn't benefit you to look at it or talk about it in that way.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's 100 percent right, Ross. And I think the I think the other piece is. You know, rosters teams will change a lot over the next what is it May over the next seven or seven or eight months. Um, and you know, I, I always tell people like you always plan something out a certain way in the spring, but it to me it, it rarely ever plays out you know 100 of the way that you would design it. You get su- you really get surprises in in both directions. And so I think part of it is just you know I think a lot of people in the NFL who have you know been through enough seasons and been through enough cycles just realize how humbling of a sport and hum- humbling of a profession that we work in. Um, so really there's nothing that you can take for granted. And
0: that's why I ultimately we focus on what we can control. Um, are there areas still that you feel like you need or could upgrade on the roster going into training camp?
1: Ab- absolutely. Um, and without necessarily going into the specifics here, and, and, and in fairness is probably a mindset that, that, you know, we really hold year round because roster building personnel work really is 365 days a year, and we'll always look to add competition, add depth, you know, because, you know, the reality is, like, the needs that you may or may not have today, um, they could change, as you know, as quickly as tomorrow, you know, with, you know, with an injury or some other unfortunate circumstance or even, quite honestly, um, you know, with improvement from a player that you wouldn't typically expect. So we're, we're constantly on the search for talent to add to the 90-man roster um, and we want to go into August with as deep of a team as we as we could possibly have.
0: Uh, one of the big things going on, obviously, in Cleveland is, you know, Baker Mayfield. The year he had, I was mm-hmm. not surprised knowing Kevin Stefanski. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of thought Baker would end up having a good year. I'm sure you get asked about it a mm-hmm. lot. I know you guys were one of the first teams. You might have been the first team to pick up the fifth-year option mm-hmm. on guys. I think you guys were the first team. Was there anything yeah. – was there a statement made by being the first team to pick up the fifth year option or did it just work out that way?
1: You know, I would like to say that it was a proactive statement, but it it really just worked out that way. We, we obviously felt comfortable with with Baker, have felt comfortable with Baker for a long period of time, as well as Denzel Ward, who we also picked up, you know, on the same day, Um, you know, Baker over the past year has shown an enormous amount of growth. I think that's both on the field um, and then quite honestly off the field as well. So, we are excited. He's, you know, going into his first off season where coaching staff, the offensive system is exactly the same, not to mention that there's been very little turnover on the offensive side of the ball. And we're excited about him continuing to make strides under Kevin's tutelage, you know, in this offense, because we think he's a very talented player. I think he's very skilled and, um, you know, he really embodies, you know, the characteristics that we want within our program. So, we're excited about you know his potential this uh, this upcoming year, and he's he's been hard at work this entire offseason.
0: You know, you you referenced earlier. I asked you about Howie Roseman, and you talked about uh, the high esteem you have for him and holding him in high regard. One of the things that he's done a lot over the years is when they have a player, a young player, they try to extend them early, really as early as any team in the league. Is that something that? you are taking with you to Cleveland and is that something you'd try to get done with Baker this summer before the season starts?
1: No, it's a fair question, Ross. And without, you know, I do have you know a typical um, policy that I won't speak on specific contracts in, you know, in the media in this setting. But I, I, I think it is fair to say that that is an approach that we believe in in terms of, um, you know, identifying you know pillar guys and, and, and trying to retain them as, as soon as we can. Now that being said, each situation, um, truly is, you know, truly is unique. Um, but, you know, we do want to get into a habit of, of rewarding our own and, um, you know, uh, uh, identifying those guys, those guys are no different than we did with, um, you know, Miles Garrett last year. We did that with Kareem Hunt last year. So I think that that's something that you'll see more often with not than not within our organization. But that being said, it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. Um, we will, we will deal, deal with it on an individual basis.
0: Um, you know, I guess however you answer this, people are going to extrapolate it to, to what you just said about Baker. But is, is there a cautionary tale with the trades of Wentz and Goff this offseason and the contracts that they signed after their third year? I mean, on some level, right, those have to be data points. You take into mm-hmm. account that these teams did these contracts early and then it didn't really work out the way they thought it would.
1: You know, I don't. I think it's maybe a bit too strong to call them cautionary tales because I truly do believe each individual and then um, each individual's situation, based on the circumstances that are going on in their environment or their organization, um, are different. You know, obviously it's something that that we're aware of, and and obviously I'm particularly aware of it just you know with you know with Carson, um, but I would. I would be hesitant to maybe over extrapolate, perhaps what happened with you know with those two individuals, you know, for maybe broader implications, um, you know, moving forward. So I guess maybe the, the short way to say it is, is certainly something we're aware of, but um, you know we'll make the decisions that we think are appropriate, you know, with our guys, you know, based on the data that we have on him.
0: Andrew, last question. Um, I'm just curious, did you play against Stefanski? Like, did you have any relationship? with him before you guys started to work together because it's funny I he came up to me before a game I was calling one time and introduced himself and so we made the Ivy League connection there kind of similar how you and I did Mm it at Eagles training camp a couple years ago had you guys I'm sure you've been enough places had you guys made that connection years ago or was it kind of your first time being together
1: so we we didn't play against uh, one another, Kevin. Kevin, I think we might have missed each other by maybe a year or two. He's a little bit older than I am um, in terms of a previous relation. We really got to know each other uh, after the 2019 coaching search here in Cleveland, um, you know, where he was, you know, he was one of the finalists. Um, got to know him during the interview process, and then we we really stayed in touch from that point forward, uh, and, and really just kind of developed a, a good friendship. So that was really actually helpful um, you know, when we were both going through the interview process here in uh, 2020. And it did create a level of familiarity before you know, we, we got into these roles and started working together. And quite honestly, Ross, it's been it's been a lot of fun. I think, you know, Kevin's a great guy. He's super smart, um, very genuine, and he has a great sense of humor. And you spend so much time together. GM head coach, relationship. you spend so much time together on a on a daily basis. Um, that it's, it's great when you have someone that you genuinely enjoy being around and, um, you have a lot of fun at work with, uh, you know, because look, these are hard, stressful jobs. And, um, when you feel like you have a true partner, um, you in the building, it, it, it certainly makes it a lot better.
0: Andrew, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for having me, Ross. I appreciate you. Really enjoyed talking with Andrew Barry. Uh, I knew I would. And it's funny. He's good. He really is good. Like, he can't come out and say, yeah, we're going to win the Super Bowl or and stuff like that. I think he's very impressive in the sense that I thought they were notable answers without necessarily saying things that would make headlines. But, you know, the Baker contract stuff. Uh, I thought the funniest stuff was when I questioned his decision-making about the baby at the start speaking by the way, and I was obviously joking. I think most of you know that speaking of questionable decision-making, how are some of you still going to airports or hotels without using a VPN like ExpressVPN? Brian, my producer is in a hotel right now using express VPN right now because using the, Internet without ExpressVPN is like going to the bathroom and not closing the door. Which, by the way, when I was like in 7th and 8th grade, my high school took all the doors off the stalls. I remember distinctly sitting on the toilet, doing my business in 7th grade. And in came the 6'4", 225-pound senior captain tight end. He looked over at me. And just laughed and kept walking. That was bad. That was a bad feeling. That's what it's like to not have ExpressVPN. Don't be like little Rossi sitting on the john getting made fun of by the senior captain. Secure your online activity by visiting expressvpn.com slash tucker today. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S vpn.com slash tucker you can get an extra 3 months free expressvpn.com/tucker That's a true story. My mom actually went to the principal and said, "What is going why, why don't we have doors on the stalls?" And I guess people were going in there and graffiti or smoking or whatever. So I had to I had to poop in public. Anyway, you should probably move on now. expressvpn.com/tucker Tucks takes
2: Hey Ross, biggest move since Monday morning belonged to the Philadelphia Eagles. They signed veteran pass rusher Ryan Kerrigan one year, three and a half million dollars. They also traded a twenty twenty three sixth round pick for cornerback Josiah Scott from Jacksonville.
0: Brian, you're not going to comment on the seventh grade poop story.
2: Oh, everybody's got one of those. Really? Everybody. Yeah. Did your high school not have doors? I mean, my fraternity house in college uh, didn't have doors, and I don't know if it was for that reason or if there was. Somebody just decided it would be funny to take them off, but I think every every everywhere that uh, somebody has gone, they have been in that situation.
0: You know what's funny now is uh, now that you think now that you say that, I remember being at my buddy's fraternity at Penn State, and they didn't have they didn't have doors on the stalls, and I think there were multiple reasons why they didn't want doors on the stalls in a fraternity house in college. But I remember it was like what was actually weird then, Bry, is how normal it was. Right. Like you would just talk to the guy while he was <laughs> taking a dump. Like he's just sitting there, and you just like have a conversation, and it was totally normal. Um, you know, let's talk Eagles. There's no real good transition there. The Eagles are trying to make sure they're not doo doo this this year. I I said this on Twitter. I'll say it again here at Ross Tucker NFL. I thought that was a statement signing by the Eagles. And there are people probably that are like, oh, yeah, statement, what, like that they're going to be washed up like Kerrigan's washed up? First of all, I said this on Monday. Hard to explain in words how much respect I have for Ryan Kerrigan. 156 out of 160 possible starts over the last 10 years. Are you kidding me? I mean, he's played through broken hands, all kinds of things, for what has been usually a terrible team. Or at least not good and dysfunctional in Washington. So much respect for that guy. But here's why I think it's a statement move. The Eagles have been pretty open about the fact that this is a transition year. New head coach, new quarterback. They take a lot of salary cap pain this year. They have a lot of draft choices for 2022. But this signing is proof they are conceding nothing, nothing. They still believe they can be competitive and win that division this year. I don't blame them. They're top 10 O-line, D-line in the NFL all day. Maybe top 5 O-line and D-line in the NFL if you combine them. You have those two things? As long as your quarterback doesn't play horrible, you've got a legitimate chance and they did some other signings like Anthony Harris at safety or Eric Wilson at linebacker, but those were holes. They didn't have a hole at the end. They just think Kerrigan can help them win. They do have a hole at corner, which is why they traded for Josiah Scott, It was a fourth-round pick last year by the Jag. That's kind of a, a unique trade. And already trading in 2023, that's as far out as they'll let you go. Tuck takes.
2: Speaking of the Jags, they cut running back Reichwell, Armstead, who missed all of last year with complications from COVID.
0: Right, and he got picked up, Bri, by, by the Giants off waivers. So Reichwell will get another opportunity. You know, I, this is the part where I remind everybody, as a guy that got cut four times, traded once, IR once, PUP once. I think that's a like kidding for the NFL journeyman cycle or transaction cycle, it's a tough, unsentimental business. I mean, the guy gets COVID, has issues with it, and then as soon as the Jags can cut him, bye-bye, see ya. I hope he's healthy now. I hope he goes to New York and and gets a spot because as far as I know, he's like the only NFL player that really, really struggled with COVID. Tuck takes uh,
2: some other moves includes the Patriots signing quarterback, Brian Hoyer, again, Uh giant signing, former wide receiver, Kelvin Benjamin to play tight end. Bengals signing slot wide receiver and punt returner, Taewon Taylor and the Washington football team, giving Morgan Moses
0: permission to seek a trade. It's interesting that the Patriots sign Hoyer. I mean, you would think that they're just going to move on from Jarrett Stidham. That would mean, and that they want to have three quarterbacks. It's almost like, If Cam gets hurt and Mac Jones isn't ready, they want a guy in Hoyer. Or if Cam gets hurt and Mac Jones is the starter, they want a viable backup in Hoyer. But they have signed him. I'm sure one of the Patriots beat writers put it out, but they've signed him like five times. It's unbelievable how many times they've signed Brian Hoyer. Kelvin Benjamin certainly has the size. I mean, he is a big dude. Now people say, well, who's he going to block? I got news for you. They're not going to ask him to block. And a lot of these tight ends hardly ever block. He's just going to be able to line up, attach line of scrimmage, or split out. And he's big enough he can get people's way. But they want him to run routes against safeties and use his size. We'll see if that works out. The Bengals evidently needed a slot guy and really a punt returner. And Morgan Moses, yeah, Bri, that's interesting to me because he started, like, every game the last four or five years. I mean, he has been a stalwart for them up front, so for them to give him permission to seek a trade, they clearly want to move on after some of the other moves that they've made, including, you know, they go out and they draft Cosme, they sign Charles Leno, so... I don't. I just don't think they want to pay Moses what he's due to make. I'm not sure somebody else will either. Seems to me like sort of like the Bears tackles or some of these other guys that Moses probably will end up getting cut. Speaking of getting cut, do not miss out on this chance to download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code ROSS when you sign up to hammer the over. For every 1,500 people that bet the over in the featured professional basketball game, the line will decrease by one point. If you're paying attention, Google it. Go on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. See how low the total is now. Like, it's free money if you hammer the over now. Free money. That's promo code ROSS, limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Speaking of DraftKings, they're launching, Bri, their best ball Platform really soon. I think this week or next week you can start to play best ball on the DraftKings app. So Joe Dolan and I are going to give you some advice on especially the rookies, but some of these unique quarterback situations as well on today's Fantasy Feast podcast. Please, please, please subscribe if you haven't already. However, you listen to podcasts or YouTube.com/slash Ross Tucker NFL. I always like to give some of our listeners. That have businesses shout outs because they are patrons. Patreon.com slash RT Media, Pizza Boy Brewing, Sporticulture, Vision Comics with an X, Human Head NYC.com. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast.